Infielders, this is Joshua Michael. We are bringing you yet again another killer episode where we started out with another kick-ass heavy metal band and leading into another he- he- heavy, brutal, murderer. I'm bringing you Sinistry's latest track, Dead to Me, off Civilization's Coma. We got another track coming right after that, straight into Frankie Motherfucking Mobster. Yeah, I'll say it again, Frankie the Motherfucking Mobster. That's what's happening in Minefields. That's why we want to walk through Minefields. And thank you for being part of it. Guys, this is Dead to Me, Sinistry. It's happening. chomping at the bit to get back to normal and to actually be around people and yeah like you're saying man like you guys set up like you guys set up yesterday we had um i know you spoke with speedball uh was it last week or two weeks ago or whenever it was and he actually was um was training or is training now at the school here in uh in montreal at the iws oh that's awesome and, man yeah dude like He's tough but fair teacher. <laughs> if you can just get a little bit closer to the mic, brother. Oh yeah, sorry. What about the? Um, cause I'm using a headset. Is that is that cool? Or? No, that's that's totally that's that's actually preferred. Okay. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, we got the we got the school set up, man, and uh, I've got Sinistry on the line today. Yes, sir. So introduce yourself, brother. Yeah, I'm James Aniston. I'm the vocalist of Sinistry. We're a Montreal metal death metal band. Kind of hard to like pigeonhole the genre there, but I guess overall we're we're type of death metal. And um, yeah, man, let's say we have an EP coming out November 27th. Uh, our first single is already on uh, Spotify. It's called uh, "Dead to Me." And we got the three more or three songs total coming out on uh, on the twenty seventh. No, I, I loved the track when I first heard it, man. It was just it was such a, a kismet running into you guys. Like I, Andy and I have been friends for a while on Facebook, and he always hits me up with like comic book writing advice or drawing advice or just like we just shoot the shit uh, about wrestling and comics. I mean, because that rules everything around us and uh i asked him about um hey and you got any bros that might want to be in the show and like he hooked me up with speedball and yeah. i woke up with tons of messages how you, how did you get speedball and then um you I, I can't remember how we got in contact but i was like man you guys got a record coming out like and you're like you're friends with these guys like yeah let's talk yeah man well yeah exactly i'm friends with uh with andy i'm friends with speedball uh, actually, I trained with uh, I trained under Speedball with with Andy, and I actually had like my first uh, practice match with Andy. So it's uh, yeah, we're a tight knit group, I guess. Like uh, here in Montreal, like it's kind of like everyone's a bit all over the place, and yet we're all together at the same time. So that's wonderful, man. But especially right now with like all social distancing bullshit, and you know, trying to stay. So I'm not saying it's bullshit, but it still sucks. Um, yeah. You guys, I mean, circumstances bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you guys are on serious lockdown. Like I, I'm, I, I've been meaning to message Speedball how he was able to uh, meet up with his wife and get married, man. Because like, when we, when I talked to him, he's like, man, I haven't seen her in like eight months, and we were gonna get married, and poof, like all over uh, social media, even hit like uh, all the main r- uh, rag sheets that Speedball got married, and I was like, oh hell yeah. Yeah, man. They, well, they, I think they got engaged technically, but yeah, they got. Uh, yeah, he was away from her. Like they were away from each other for uh, for eight months. Jesus Christ, man! This shit's been going on for eight months. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, it puts things into perspective, I guess. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's good news. I'm very happy for them, man. Yeah, it was it was definitely nice, nice people. It was definitely nice to see such a, a glimpse of uh, good news as opposed to the gloom and doom that's going on right now. But we've got metal. Oh, yeah. We've got metal to talk about. Good, good, good stuff to talk about. You're uh, when when you mentioned earlier about uh, genre. I remember the first time I heard the the new track. I was like, man, this is the best grindcore death metal song I've ever heard in my life. And thanks, man. It's it's hard to like. I'm not a grindcore fan because the songs are like 30 seconds long and they they really don't take metal seriously. But you guys really went balls to the wall on that. Yeah, man. Well, I mean, uh, Dead to Me is like the the shortest song we've ever written. Uh, but it I don't know. It just it kind of like kind of happened. So when we write music, we kind of just let the we kind of just let it flow through us and go through it, uh, go through the motions or whatever feels good and. I don't know. We don't shy away from a type of, of style or a genre or or influences. We just say fuck it. Whatever fits well in the context of uh, whatever we're writing at the time, that's what's going to come out. So, well, I, I never um, would have thought on. that because you guys like don't come off as a hodgepodge to me. I, I've listened to everything else you got online, and but uh, you're right. There's times where it's like, wait a minute, this is this is speed metal here. 
this is grindcore. There's some like death, uh, like the the chugga chug chug, and it just perfectly goes together, man. Thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah, we uh, we made a conscious decision to just let uh, just let whatever is going to happen happen, and uh, that's that's the result, man. I'm usually it's aggressive. Like we don't really like write the the poppy radio songs. There we have uh, we had a ballad back in the day, but since taking it off of uh off the music like online so but it was cool man we just uh we're not afraid to, to play around and experiment you know but it is it's metal it's death metal i don't know sometimes like people call it gent i mean like i don't know yes no maybe so if they like it they like it if they don't like it i don't know i'm not a genre or a subgenre guy so if the heads are not and that's all that matters right that's right man you know the people that are there to see you the people that are listening to you uh online or streaming or whatever the hell it is like if they like it they like it like, there's no you don't need to go into deeper nuance than that you know so when did we you have st- music that we enjoy yeah when did you start recording Probably. the uh when did you start recording the record uh it's a bit of a weird story like because we were on hiatus for 12 years and then we decided right before um right before the pandemic hit to uh basically do these songs and like finalize them like we had like demo versions of them uh, previously like before we broke up and then we finished basically we finished them uh in the studio with um because we recorded with uh, uh, jf dashney from uh, cataclysm nice for yeah we did uh drums guitar and bass with him and then i did my vocals with chris donaldson from cryptopsy um, and then we did, cause we have like electronic samples too. And like, we did like samples and keyboards with Kevin Jardine from, uh, Slaves on Dope. And uh, then we mixed everything together with, uh, or sorry, we like JF, uh, Dajani mixed everything. And then Jeff Fafain from Anonymous, uh, mastered everything. So like in previous form, like things were kind of just like up in the air. And then we just said, fuck it. We have this stuff, uh, like in the pipeline, we should just, release it finally and then the freaking pandemic hit so we like <laughs> we kind of had to put the brakes and like reorganize uh, our path and our strategy so that's kind of have you been reaching out to your fans like because uh, right now I just see you on social media the I, I, I dated you all the way back to 2008 when you were on tour with the Eclipse um, and uh, on Blabbermouth that was like the first uh the first the article I saw in there about you guys, and you've, you've, you're touring with some uh, metal royalty, and now they're helping you make your record, and you're you're what you're you're just hitting social media. You you guys doing secret shows? No, no, we're not we're not breaking the law uh, like Judas Priest. So uh, no, <laughs> we're right now we're social media 100. percent I mean, we can't like Montreal is in like a red zone right now with the pandemic, and we can't. Like just get up and tour, do shows, and it's too risky, man. For for like the the payoff is not worth the the risk. Right. And we're just doing the social media thing, just grinding away on that. And eventually, when things open up, you know, things will like plans will change. So back in the day, in like 2000, because uh, we formed in 2005, so like the like the beginning of uh, of our band, we were very much a MySpace band. So we were uh, we were big on MySpace. It helped us get uh, our, our record deal on uh, on Year of the Sun, which was uh, an indie label in Ontario. 
and we released our first album through them and we were just touring and uh, we were, it was basically 50% touring, 50% uh, grinding on social media. So now there's no touring, so it's 100% grinding on social media. So the, the that's, me- where we're, that's where we're at. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you guys are doing something, man, because like when, when everything first started, everyone's like, oh, I'm going to buy all these weights, I'm going to lose all this weight, I'm going to read all these books, mm-hmm. and no one's, no one's doing it. But you guys are... You guys are hitting the nose of the grindstone on this one, really trying to at least be still be artists and n- not go stagnant. And it's it's definitely a when you're talking about risk. I mean, like you're talking about normal folk that don't live this sort of lifestyle. And but with metalheads, man, it's like even more risky because you I I've seen the shows that have happened uh, during the pandemic, and because here we're not we weren't on such a big lockdown as you guys were, but like. Metal is risky. I mean, like we're, we're moshing, we're 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 taking shots together, we're sharing joints, you know. And mm-hmm. it it's uh, I can see why Canada was like, no, Americans can't come in. Y'all have herpes, and <laughs> y'all have herpes, and <laughs> and, uh, and uh, Instagram. We don't need your Instagram models here. We're we're good. Um, well, I'm I'm glad this, this. Okay, so how's the record coming out? Like, are you guys gonna do digital? Are you gonna do vinyl? It's uh, for the for the time being, it's 100% digital. Um, but we have a plan for down the road to um, to do a physical copy of some sort. I think it's going to end up being vinyl, but uh, I'm not going to like snap it 100%. But we do have uh, two other releases planned for 2021. So I think it might the vinyl might be like a collection of all the releases together. I don't know. We're going to see maybe some bonus tracks. I hope so, man. Vinyl's my favorite format. It, since I was a kid, it's been my favorite format. Some like some of my favorite records don't sound the right way. Like uh, the last Witchcrier. Did you ever listen to Witchcrier? Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, which the last Witchcrier was really damn good, and it, it was just it was so visceral, and it just sounded so much better on on analog as opposed to the like you know getting an MP3 or something like that. And it, it, it's something. It's something I can hold. Like it, that sounds so bass and kind of dumb, but like. Like there's records like when I'm listening to it, I'll hold it like I'll embrace it like, like mm-hmm. it closer, you know. Uh, like I've got I've got a really good um, I've got a really good record correction. My my uh, actual um, my uh, I'm gonna be buried with it. I have the White Pony on a special edition red vinyl. And, oh, no kidding. And it is signed by the it is signed by the entire band. I got it signed because when you're a reporter, it's pretty uh, it's taboo to ask for like mementos or anything like that that's like a you know mark thing mm-hmm. and uh no yeah. i i you know i pulled that out on them uh this even chi sang it uh signed it that, that, that's how long ago it was even frank was like where the hell did you get this and uh but i would love to have a uh, sinistry on vinyl man like please make that happen yeah man i think i think down the line it is gonna happen like i think sooner rather than later um we we tend to usually like follow the heartbeat of, um, of what people are saying, right? So I think uh, CDs are not going to be a thing for us, really, but vinyl and, like, limited edition vinyl pressings, I think, more uh, is a more realistic thing. It's just a feel, like, and like you said, it's not, it's not silly because, like, when you think about it, humans are, uh, are physical creatures, right? So physically holding on to an album, it uh, does give you a different sense of understanding, of listening to the music, of enjoying it, right? It's a completely different experience, right? So, like, if I go on uh, on a streaming app, like, I, every band is 
differentiated just by their art and their music. So it's not special. It's not as special. Yeah, it's less exclusive, less less of a bond with the the band. So I I like it because there's like a uh, like a dojo feel to it. Like okay, so Mm -hmm. I can easily click a a button and hear hear a record. I'm sorry, an MP3. But when I gotta like make sure my my needle is clean, I gotta make sure the vinyl's Mm -hmm. clean. Like making like you know cleaning it. Like when you're cleaning your guitar, when you're restringing it. Like it, it adds an extra gravitas to it that like it, it you're pouring more respect into it and also the the right people are gonna get the vinyl you're not gonna because you know when you're in a show I remember one time I was at I was at a tool show one time back in like 2002 uh, when they were on the second leg of Lateralis and um, there was people outside crying that they couldn't get in it was completely sold the fuck out and I'm inside and there's this girl. There's this dumb girl there, it's like she's she's standing by us uh, by the pit, and she's like, "My boyfriend brought me in." I'm like, I don't even know who this band is, and I'm like, "Man, fuck you." <laughs> <laughs> and but when it comes to the vinyl, the right people like that that's gonna be cherished and um, something that they're gonna grab if there's a fire in the in the house type. Yeah, thing. yeah, that's the the right people are gonna appreciate uh, are gonna appreciate it, right? So that's what it is, man. You you mentioned that you guys broke up for a while. What happened? Um, well, we didn't really break up. We just kind of went on hiatus. Um, it it was just a combination of things. I think um, we reached a point where we were we were touring all all the time. We were never home, um, and just one thing led to another. We were shopping um, we were shopping a, a demo, and it didn't pan out. And I think it was like. Like factor A led to factor B led to factor W, and we just said, you know what? We're all friends. We're all brothers. Let's just take a step back and see what happens. So over the course of those twelve years, we kind of did like flirt with the idea, but nothing came of it. And um, then I think it was just a matter of we were all in the right place, um, like in our personal lives, to say, you know what? Screw it. Let's uh, give this another go. So. We have different like goals and objectives now than we did 12 years ago, that's for sure. But I think uh, the basic thing being that we write music that we like and that other people can enjoy is probably the, the most important. Was, right, the, so. was there an added maturity and respect that came with breaking up and then, well, not breaking up, but like, you know, taking a break and then coming back to, to each other? Uh, I think it was. Um, a learning experience because like we all went through like different things in that uh, over a decade of, uh, of time that passed. Right. So we were, uh, we were in our twenties back then. Now we're in our thirties. Um, so yeah, we got, uh, we got banged up by life a little bit uh, here and there. So it was good. Uh, I think it was a good way of uh, kind of helping us focus on what we actually want. So that's that did yeah, that did give us a, a more clear vision of uh, of us as a band, also. Obviously, it, it it lent to the music as well. Like it, it's such a more mature band from your earlier recordings, from what you've got now. And it, I'm, I'm not just saying that it's better, but it's there's a there's a different um, assembly to it. There's a lot more care I heard in it, as opposed to like when you're just scrambling as a 20 year old to, to get things out, and now you're like, uh, it's it's so much more polished and. But not in the sense that like overproduced, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense, and it's it's very. And that was like a conscious decision because 
we have a tendency to kind of look at things and be like, okay, well, if, if it's not perfect, it's not good. So we had, we were fortunate enough to work with people that have been in the game for a long freaking time and that just told us, listen, like, let go a little bit and let us help guide you a little. And then you'll see what the, you'll, you'll hear the result and, and where you're going to be. And that's uh, kind of how all these songs uh, ended up sounding so good. So <laughs> I have no complaints. Yeah, so you, so you had a good producer wrangling you guys in. Yeah, they they all did. They all did. Like I mean, we worked with four different people, so they all uh, they all had their input on it, and they all know what they're doing, right? Like I mean, they wouldn't be doing this as their day jobs if they didn't know uh, they didn't know what was up. So it's it's a difficult job. I mean, because you're you're basically if you're a producer, you're you're wrangling, you're almost babysitting four different egos. Uh, oh, yeah. all, all trying to get, you know, get their shit in, you know what I'm saying? Like wrestling style. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So like, instead of doing like 10 hurricane ranas and the guy just pops up after like, you know, 15 minutes of super kicks. Yeah. You know, so the same thing, man, like we, we just kind of decided to, to listen and to like to go with the flow. I mean, we always went with the flow anyway. So we said, what the hell's the difference if we're in the studio or if we're writing music or if we're touring, you know, just go with the flow and, and take the advice. So like, I'm not going to go to my car mechanic and tell him, uh, tell him how to fix my car. So, right. Uh, what are the shows like there, uh, in Canada, man? Because here, like I've been to, I've been all over the, the, the world actually, except, the only time I've been in Canada was when we uh, drove up from, uh, we drove through California all the way up to Fairbanks, Alaska. So it was, Canada was a trip, man. It was like all these different brands. and But when I'm talking about what the shows are like, like when I go to like some dirt, pack, dirt bag place in Oklahoma City or even here in Colorado Springs, uh, is it all pretty much just metal or do you guys get down different? Uh, like, well, local shows are, are whatever the genre is calling for, right? So, like, metal shows in Montreal will be, like, pretty strictly metal. And there, it is kind of weird because you're either going to get, like, a mix of different styles. So, like, you might have, like, a death metal and a black metal or, uh, like, some like, groovy, funky style thing going on, uh, like, within, like, the same show with, like, three different bands or four different bands. Or you're going to have like the exact same freaking bands like copy pasted four times which is not necessarily bad it's just the tool like the the black and the white of the situation right right but i mean the shows are the shows are good uh usually in montreal is a very saturated market though so like when you're playing a show here or you're playing a show in toronto or vancouver like uh it helps to have uh like a, a strong headliner but i know local bands that do shows and they do very like they do very well like they pull in a decent crowd generally it's like pretty moshy not too uh, not too violent so that's always a good thing you know like there's there's energy in the shows but it's uh it's a good energy and like, uh, positive bouncing energy as opposed to like a jabby stabby energy <laughs> yeah that, that that's that's what i wanted to get at is because like there's a lot of the american shows can get that way uh and, but there's still certain rules like that unspoken rules that have to be uh acknowledged and followed to the letter like for example uh, i remember one time i was at a hate breed show and uh, mm -hmm. i was in the pit and i out of the corner of my eye i saw some big dude bro who 
like, and forgive me for, like, stereotyping, but, like, he he looked like he did not belong there. And he was definitely just in the pit to, like, try to hurt people. You know, like, this is my chance. You know, like, these guys are... These guys are beating each other up, and but it wasn't. It was pre-hardcore dancing. You know what I'm saying? Like where it was like we're mm-hmm. strict, strict mosh, mosh, as opposed to where they're like kicking and punching, but no one's touching. And um, yeah. out of the corner of my eye, I saw this that that guy. He he threw a punch and it landed. And by the time I was I turned around, there was a guy sitting on his chest punching him in the face. There was a guy sitting on his legs punching his punching his legs. <laughs> and uh, you know he Jesus. he he learned he learned. Uh, that was a big no-no. Quick. <laughs> big yeah. no-no. You, you yeah. Or is is it the same sort of uh, ethos there in, in Canada? I think if you uh, you talk shit, you get kicked. So yeah, we don't really like. I haven't seen uh, a show get like violent, like violent to that point. I mean, maybe it's like uh, maybe it's just I don't know all the maple syrup weed. But fuck, man, I I've never seen like a fight break out like just out of nowhere at a, at a metal show. So. Uh, but yeah, they usually like people that like kind of deviate from, all right, we're here to have a good time, like get put in their place pretty fucking quick. So a lot of people, I'm sorry, no, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, a lot of people don't realize that metal is, is not, it's not just a genre of music. It's a way of life. And by way of life, I mean, you go to a show and you might, you might not know anybody. You might be there by yourself, and you can leave with like ten new friends. Uh, you, you know, like when you when you see that the the pit's going strong, but there's like two or three guys that are in there the entire time, and at the end of the show, they're hugging. Like they might not even know each other's first names at all, but they're they're hugging like they've been like best friends forever because they just fight clubbed that shit out. You know what I'm saying? And <laughs> yeah, exactly, uh, you, you, your music is is therapy to to people that. I mean, we're you, like you said earlier. We're humans. We, you know, we need to touch things. We need to embrace things. But like, when it, there's certain aspects of our uh, emotional spectrum that most people don't understand, and metal is on that spectrum, and it, it's very specific. And it, it, I don't know what I'd do without it, man. Yeah, yeah, big time. I, I don't know either, man. Like, honestly, like I didn't stop listening to metal even when we were on hiatus. And like neither did any of the other guys. Like we listened to a lot of different stuff. Don't get me wrong, but there's just something about it. I think it appeals to like some sort of subconscious part of our of our mind that uh, it's like, okay, well, I'm angry or I'm frustrated about something, and I want to find like a a non-destructive outlet for it. So, like, what can I do to to express this, right? So, like, if you're the musician playing metal or you're the listener listening to it, like, you can relate on both sides, right? Like, whether you're a creator or a consumer. Right. So, that's, yeah, that's what I think. That's where I think, like, metal is. And that's why I think it's kind of, like, when you see, like, someone using the, the platform of, uh, of metal music to spread, like, a, a negative message, then, like, people usually, like, jump down the throats like, pretty quick. And that's why people, like metal fans, usually defend metal, like uh, like infallibly. So, you know, uh, it's it's a very like I wouldn't I don't want to say primal, but it's something that like maybe we don't fully understand why the music makes us feel this way exactly, right? So, exactly. Uh, what was the what, what were some of the bands that really hooked you to that vibrated at the same frequency you were that you know took you on this path? 
Uh, man, like to, to start off, I think I think the first song I ever sang was uh, Sunday Bloody Sunday by U2. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, like it's uh, like it's been a while, but I think in metal, as far as like metal goes, bands like Static X, uh, In Flames, Spine Shank, uh, Arch Enemy, I don't know, like Soil Work, these guys are all uh, they made me want to. Like be in a metal band, and they made me want to create good music. So, like I was always like thinking, okay, if I could reach like, this type of level, then it'll be good, you know. Like at least like the music and the, the the way that the message comes out, you know. So those were those were like the main influences. Like Static X, big uh, big Static X fan, and Spineshank too, big uh, big Spineshank fan. Like that the whole new metal, like the heavier part of new metal, yeah, is when I was like kind of coming out of high school. So um that like that hooked me a lot and like bands like slayer metallica you know like those like classic like the big four thrash bands right kind of like all pushed there but sinistry sound is also like very much influenced by the new metal and also like european metal too but also like a band like fear factory like really like got the goddess jamming like my fear factory is probably like the most influential band on our band i think i wouldn't say like we sound exactly like we don't sound exactly like them at all so but i think they influenced us uh as a band at least like the most like if i had to choose one band that that influenced us the most so and they're still going strong man i mean they just lost their singer but you know still going so you're bringing back some memories man like i saw i saw Soulfly open up for static x back in 2001 Oh, yeah. And that was, I mean, you want to talk about a pit? Uh, there is nothing compared to a pit for Soulfly. There were little girls yeah. that knew every word, and it was like, it was a whole different level. It was like, you ever seen like footage of like Aborigines like jumping through fire, like doing some tantric <laughs> dance? That's what it was like, and it it it, it brought it to a whole different level because they they've got that uh, Soulfly's got that um, that. Uh, primitive the the drums like they they are specifically yeah. engineered uh static x blew me away man <laughs> like i remember getting dropped on my head during uh um uh i'm with stupid <laughs> and yeah, i did, didn't even didn't even care uh i saw fear factory open up for chimera who opened up for slipknot back in 2002 uh i interviewed arch enemy and i remember talking to angela for quite a while she was such a you know, the second phase of, of Arch Enemy. Um, but when my, my influences were uh, the, the bad kid the that was in and out of juvie, he was like, hey, man, you need to stop listening because we were working at the, a hotel in a, uh, on base in Isleson, and uh, they we were these two Mexican kids, so they put us in, like, in the, the worst part of the hotel to clean. And he's like, you need to stop listening to this, this damn Nine Inch Nails shit. And I'm like, no. And he's like, check this out. And he gave me, uh, he gave me my first taste of Roadrunner, which was... Uh, he gave me Cold Chamber and he gave me Slipknot. Nice, that's a good cut. And uh, nothing was the same after that. <laughs> like, like, yeah. not not in the least bit. And um, we're, we're 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 vibrating on that frequency. And then uh, from the new metal, because like every spine, like you said, Spine Shank, uh, Disturbed, Godsmack, Deftones, Corn, uh, uh, Cold Chamber. Uh, even though most of those bands have evolved past that. Um, Around 2001 was when 
I, I was done with that shit, you know? Like, new metal was a four-letter mm-hmm. word, and if it, if they weren't on a nuclear blast or European or actually worshipping the devil, I would have nothing to do with them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think we all went through that phase uh, around that time. Like, all the new metal bands kind of, like, lost favor, but they ended up, like, evolving into something else. And yet, like, everyone that was listening to that stuff was listening to... Like you said, the stuff that was like even like more extreme, like turned up to eleven, and so yeah, I followed that wave too, man. I was on, I was on the same uh, wavelength as you. Remember those Century Media compilations to live and die by, man? Like you hear Demi Borger and uh, what was that band, Dream Evil, that did the Book of Heavy Metal? Do you remember that song? Yeah, it was, it was Dream that Evil. Was, that was when Gus G was in that band. <laughs> yeah, Dream Evil. I remember, I remember find, like finding them, finding about out about them, and I was like. It sounded like, and I was, I was like so dumb, man. I was like listening to them, and I was like, "Dream Evil." Why does his name sound so familiar? And then they had a song called "Chasing the Dragon," and I'm like not clicking like two and two together. And I was like, "Right, fucking deal." And yeah, like because I think maybe it was kind of an homage, but like those guys were uh, were a serious heavy metal band, you know. Like when you think of a heavy metal band, like I think of Dream Evil. You know, it was just so, so perfect because they were kind of tongue in cheek, you know, but like at the same time, like they were, they were, they were pulling off what they were, they were putting down. So did you ever, I I love them, but did you ever get into Metalocalypse? Yeah. Yeah. We would watch Metalocalypse all the time. We would quote it all the time when we were on tour. So there was nothing better, man. Like, I've never seen it. I'd never seen it get laid down so perfect of like, that is what is in our heads all time <laughs> just yeah. just the uh like and i love how like because they knew what they were talking about like the the episode where uh murder face and toki started their own record band and they got that they they, they signed that uh that new metal wuss core band uh hence they hence they come or something like that and it, like it was like a, a hodgepodge of like the, their song sounded like Papa Roach's uh, main track. The, what was the, the "Cut My Life Into Pieces" song played backwards? They had a DJ. <laughs> they had a DJ. The, the lead singer looked like the like the lead singer from uh, Crazy Town that did that butterfly song. Uh, yeah, had, yeah, yeah. The the fat guy bassist, <laughs> like perfect. <laughs> yeah, it was just such a such a typical freaking like new metal style uh, look. God, no, but Metal Apocalypse 9 was, like, I don't even know how, like, I don't even know how it, like, how it finished, but, uh, was it, like, two seasons or three seasons? They did, I think I they remember did, how. I think they did four, and the, they finished it with a, a long rock opera, like, it was really good, it's, uh, it's on HBO Max, I think, uh, they moved it to HBO Max, and I think it's on the Adult Swim app as well, um, it, it, Sorry, I don't, I don't mean to go in such a tangent. It just, it, you mm-hmm. know, talking about the lifestyle, there's no way you could not mention Metalocalypse and how it just perfectly epitomized. I mean, like, Pickles was obviously Devin Townsend. Yeah, I felt that. I felt that energy. Um, do you guys ever... Speaking of uh, Devin Townsend, uh, Canadian metal. Do you guys ever get lumped mm-hmm. into just Canadian, like, like the way people, like, when you listen to a band and you find out they're a Christian band, you want nothing to do with them? Uh, yeah, sometimes. I mean, like, we get called Canadian metal, I guess. Montreal metal, Quebec metal. Because, like, Quebec, I feel like Quebec metal in general has, like, 
a certain sound. Um, so like everyone in this province, uh, whether we like like to admit it or not, so it's like if you look at a band like us, uh, compare us to like a band like Cryptopsy, like we don't really sound the same. And then you compare like to a band like The Agonist, who like kind of like we all kind of have some sort of sound like similar but not really so like that's kind of like the quebec metal uh quebec metal sound and tone i guess so yeah we get lumped into quebec metal um and we're all like none of us are, are french canadian but whenever we would go tour in uh, in the rest of canada you know they'd, they'd say like oh yeah you know you guys have french names and you guys have french accents but, man like my parents are from greece so like i don't have a french accent i noticed <laughs> Now, uh, accent-wise, yeah. uh, Speedball. Yeah, none of us do, man. We're all... Uh... Speedball, I love his yeah, accent. He's got, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, Speedball's got a, got a nice, smooth accent, though. He was so soothing. <laughs> I, was yeah. I, was, I was telling my friends about talking... Like, what was it like talking to Speedball? I'm like, it was kind of odd because he like he, he, he was just so dreamy. <laughs> yes, exactly. That is exact the exact way I would put it. I, I don't know if I would say it to his face, but <laughs> if you ever listen to this podcast... Uh, You'll know how I feel. But, uh, yeah, man, like, he's the one person that could tell me, all right, so this is what we're going to do, and in the end, it's going to be, I'm going to end up kicking you in the face, and you just take the bump. And I'd just be like, all right, perfect. Just punch me ten times, and then kick me in the face, and I'll fall on my back. Ten so, times? Ten times. Okay, ten. Okay, cool. Ten times. Ten. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. And, like, it's funny, like, when, when you say you get lumped into that, and people don't realize that, like, uh, the French part, the French Canadian area of Canada has produced some bad motherfuckers <laughs> like Kevin Owens. Oh yeah. Let, let me rephrase oh, yeah. that, Kevin Steen. Yeah, Kevin Steen. Uh, it, yeah, man, we have a lot of a lot of badasses. Uh, I'm out of here, like the Rougeau brothers, PCO. Oh yeah. You know this guy, man, like just went out, like came out of nowhere uh, again. Like he was, I don't know, man. Uh, here's another guy, right? Like I look at this guy and I think to myself, fuck. This guy was on hiatus. Well, I don't know about hiatus, but like he reinvented himself, like so dramatically, and all of a sudden, like he's in Ring of Honor, he's doing all this stuff, and man, fuck. Do you? Man, we're do pretty. You... We're pretty hard, man, over here in Quebec. Whether we're metal or uh, or wrestling or whatever the hell it is, like uh, it must be the cold weather. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not gonna argue with you guys. I just know uh, not to piss you off and uh, just try to keep up drinking. Yeah, well, it's it's usually all smiles until until it isn't. So. <laughs> Agreed. Do you uh, do you still keep up with the product now that you're not wrestling anymore? Uh, yeah. Well, no, WWE. No, uh, I don't. I try to I try to keep in contact with uh, with as much as like the rest of the world as possible. But it's tough, man. Like. It's it's not the same feel. Like I try to just keep an eye on like, the rest of like, the indies and, uh, and AEW a little bit, and like a tertiary view of, of what's happening in WWE. But I try, man. It's, it's very tough. Like WrestleMania was a tough watch, and if like SmackDown or Raw come on TV, I'll watch it. But like it's tough to it's tough, man. Because like these guys are out there killing each other, like killing themselves every fucking time they step into the ring, right? Like you don't know what could happen, and then. Like there's no crowd, or it's that crowd with the TVs and whatever. It's a bit weird. It it, it is very weird. And once the and I, once the uh, pandemic happened, I realized that my favorite character in a wrestling show is the crowd. 
Yeah, yeah, they add so much. Like it's not even funny. It it it's hard for me to go to like because growing up in metal shows and uh, going to wrestling shows, it's it, you you gotta like put a different mask on when you go anywhere else because like you're you're in any other place like if you're at a basketball game or a football game you gotta like calm down like wait a minute like I can't be me here mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't start yeah. I, I I can't start a chant because if uh, I start if I start screaming at someone that they suck uh, the crowd's not gonna join in with me. <laughs> And uh, I'm gonna get kicked. Yeah, out. that's the. Yeah, they don't. Uh, I guess like other sporting events don't really like um, subscribe to the, the kayfabe chants and stuff, right? So you start chanting, you deserve it to someone who's getting like their uh, like some trophy or like you know the who are the, the top three players of the game or whatever the hell it is. If you start chanting that, people look at you like, "What the hell is this guy doing?" So. Mm-hmm. When it when it when it comes to WWE, man, I feel like I feel like I just got out of an abusive relationship and everything I've ever wanted and ever imagined could be and more is in my new mistress AEW. Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna disagree with you on that, man. It's like I don't know, I don't know what it is, like the. Whether it's the fact that like it's a publicly traded company and you know he like Vince has like all these these other things that he has to consider besides programming, right? And like you know he has like uh, basically he's like running an empire and like what we see as as wrestling fans is the show, but we don't see like okay, well he has like an entertainment division that is like movies and music and all this other crap, and he's thinking about like continuation of the product and expansion of the product into like other markets like we think like world like internationally broadcast right but right. Like, when it comes to like going to like a market like india that has like over a billion people or china that has over a billion people like man there's special considerations that have to be made and he's trying to juggle all this stuff and he's still writing that like, he's like the main like stamp on what's going to be on tv correct and there's fucking like SmackDown, Raw, and NXT. That's what two, four, seven hours a week that he has to program for, and also the fucking pay per views. Like, God, dude, like you need like you know the guy sleeps like four hours a night, but like I don't know. I I, I can't say because I'm not in this position. And I never, I probably never will be. But dude, what what really gets me? What really gets me, and I think you you might agree with this, is because uh, uh, I don't want to call myself a smart mark, but yeah, I'm I'm a smart mark. Um, what really sold me in AEW first, of course, it was you know run by the Bucks, Omega. Like uh, I still wear my Bullet Club shirts. Uh, I I meant it when I said Bullet Club for life, uh, the way that the old school NWO guys did. And um, but what really sold me on it was when Luchasaurus got hurt. Not only did they not punish him, they took care of him. He was they they still put him on TV. They still put him on being the elite, and uh, they they made sure that he wasn't wrestling until he was a hundred percent. Once I knew for certain that the wrestlers were protected, it, that's when I was like, okay, like yeah, like let's get married. Like it, it's yeah, so yeah. important because a lot of people don't know that like back in the day, like if you got hurt and you couldn't wrestle, you lost your spot. Yeah, different. Yeah, man, it's a different, uh, different environment, different culture, right? So, like AEW could be looking at 
at their workers one way versus the way that WWE is looking at them, right? So if you're an independent contractor, because, I mean, technically they are. I mean, they're not really employed by... They're employed by them, but, like, they're, they're kind of commissioned employees, right? Like, right. if you look at business term and, like, okay, they don't get, like, health and dental and all this crap, but, like, if they're getting paid six figures or something, like, they have access to people who can advise them to take... Uh, advantage of all the money that they're making but then like you have someone like Zelina Vega who had uh, the Twitch channel and she like I don't know what happened man you know like I'm, I'm on the outside but like she had a Twitch channel she didn't want to take it down she made like a safe for work cosplay uh, only fans and they didn't like they just terminated her I don't know what happened exactly but like this is what the public sees right so right. when you see shit like that versus uh, like if someone gets hurt in, in AEW, like, your knee-jerk reaction, like, on the surface is, oh, well, you know, like, these guys are, are like, grinding their ass for WWE, but then, like, they can't, like, enjoy something outside of it, you know, like, the world doesn't live in a bubble, like, the, the entirety of the world, like, is a bubble in and of itself, but once you start going into sub-bubbles, like, wrestling is a bubble, but, like, WWE itself is a bubble within wrestling, right, so... I don't know, man. It's uh, it's the way you treat the people that work for you and that that are on the front line. So I feel that way about the AEW. Maybe like they appreciate the talent more. I don't know. I can't say like really because I'm on the outside. But yeah, man. Like the first couple of AEW shows, uh, especially like really hooked me. And I've been trying to I've been trying to follow on uh, follow them more than uh, the WWE to be honest. So. I just feel insulted Freaking when I try Le to watch it. Is there, so. <laughs> Le, Le Champion, my my hero, yeah. Y2J, Chris Jericho. Yeah, also, legend man. Also Canadian. Um, also Canadian. Speaking of being taken care of, like how how do you guys get down when you're out uh, touring? I mean, like how what is it that you're you're expecting, or like what are some of the times that like you were really treated the, the way you should have been? And not, I don't mean like a rock star where they're like you know like nervous mm-hmm. to talk around you. Uh, when did you feel like you had either made it? Uh, any one of those questions? Okay, well, I on the positive side, I would say that um, I would say like any time that a promoter would actually like sign a contract that we would send them for the um, for the agreement to play a show is like first step that like we set out with we would think like okay, these guys actually like respect our time and. And the value that we would bring to the show, right? Like, if we're going to drive, like, eight hours somewhere, like, we need to know we're getting paid. Um, you know, because we all have lives that we're putting on pause. Um, and then once we would get there, you know, we'd see if a promoter or, like, another band would, like, offer a place to sleep so we don't have to pay for a hotel room. Or, you know, like, uh, a couple of slices of pizza go a long way, man. Like, we're we're not high strung guys so i think that goes uh, a long way into like giving like leeway to people that that we would deal with so in general i think like most people were good to us because like usually like either the promoter hooked us up with a, like a free spot to sleep or uh, food or like a little extra cut like from the door from the bar so like beyond our guarantee mm-hmm and uh, that's that's when we would that's when we would feel appreciated, man. But like we got we ate our fair amount of shit along the way, you know. Like when you're on the road, and like let's 
like you have like five or six uh, shows and like you're halfway through the run and like the third show like is a wet fart. I mean, you, you have no choice, man. You're you're on the road. You're you're gonna go to the next gig, like whether like you had a good time or a bad time and city XYZ doesn't matter, you know. <laughs> so we got the short end of the stick a couple of times, but honestly, man, just like being treated with respect, being like allowed to set up our, our merch table, you know, like not hassling us about the pay because like we're an independent band and even with when we were signed to the Year of the Sun, it was a small label and like it's not like they were uh, waving uh, waving a giant sword around for us, you know, like they were taking care of us, but like it's not like, like they're going to send like some sort of letter to a promoter that stiffed us or whatever because like we had gotten stiffed a couple of times on the road, but in general, like most people are cool. I think if if a, you would get stiffed all the time, I don't think any band would tour because like no one is that much of a glutton for punishment. Like Agreed. <laughs> you're paying for your own, uh, you know. So you're paying for everything, and then like you have to pay more because they won't pay you. Like I don't think so. <laughs> there, there, even the big label bands, uh, the big, yeah, the the. Let me phrase that. The bands that are on big labels uh, sometimes get the short end. I remember one time uh, I was a. a, a what do they call it, a street teamer for a Roadrunner back in early 2000. So all I had to do was uh, take pictures of me handing out the, the boxes of, they'd send me a box of swag, like uh, flyers, stickers, uh, demo CDs, that sort of thing. And I'd get like, I'd get to bring a friend and uh, go, go, go for free to the show. And uh, I, there was this one band and they were, they, they blew us, I'd never heard of them before, they blew us completely away. And I noticed that like, there was no help for these guys. Once they were done, these guys immediately started disassembling their own gear. And me and my buddy were like, hey, like, can we help you guys? And they're like, oh my god, please. Like, We got like five minutes to get this shit off the stage. And uh, we we rushed, got everything out. Uh, I mean, like, we were handling their, their guitars, the, the the drum kit, everything. We're, we're in the back, and uh, it, that band was Trivium. And no kidding. No kidding. That was Trivium, and uh, and it, it, this it was like 2001. They just like made it like on Roadrunner, and we're we're hanging out with them, and it, there was no backstage. It was just an alley, and we're helping them load their van, and like, um, you guys want a drink? And they're like, yeah. We had we had a couple uh, flasks on us, and we had some shitty Mexican brickweed. And we smoked him out, and I remember the the lead singer was like, "Holy fuck!" He's just like bes- beside himself, like just like hands on his knees, like trying to get his breath. And like he takes his shirt off, this old beat up Slayer shirt, rings it out. And he's like, "This this shirt is like two weeks old." Like it, he he was he probably had two t shirts on him, <laughs> like the translation. Yeah. And uh, it was it was nice to get to to take care of him like that. But yeah, we uh, we smoked trivia out with some shitty Mexican brickweed. It was fun. Nice, nice. Yeah, that's a that's a lot of what it is, man. Like honestly, like un, unless you have uh, the budget to, to uh, uh, what do you call it, like to hire people and to like employ people, like, you know, like uh, the layman doesn't really see it because it's music is a is an industry. Like whether we like to believe it or not, and bands are bands are businesses to a certain extent, right? Like right. you're you're fronting a like you're the the main people in the in the corporation that you're you're working for right so like you're in gainful employment and you have to do everything like if you're self-employed you're the one making copies you're the one uh hustling to promote yourself you're the one like doesn't matter if you have a label behind you or not i mean man like i've seen like the label nowadays i think it's more for like a clout a 
things. So to say, like, okay, listen, we have, like, we're signed to, like, XYZ big label. Like, this label will help us with promo because virtue of the fact that we're on the label. So, like, if a label has, like, a YouTube channel with, like, I don't know, 5 million subscribers or whatever the right. hell it is, right. your stuff's going to get pushed to those people, right? So, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, it's humbling, I think, uh, when you think you've made it. And actually, like, Matt McGacky from Cryptopsy, uh, the singer, he, he put it the best. He's like, you climb a ladder all the way to the top, and then you realize you have to jump over to another fucking ladder and start climbing again. And then you get to that ladder, and then you have to jump to another ladder and climb again, and then that's your life. But I mean, that's music. That's any. That's anything that you're in control of your own destiny. That's what it is, right? You just keep climbing the ladder because I said, man, you either you either keep climbing the ladder, or you get off, and you go work for someone. So coming coming I know, from man. I, I like I like climbing. Coming from an from an indie background and respecting indie wrestling, respecting like indie bands, would you even want to get that big and have that sort of stress? Yeah, I would. I would. I wouldn't want to be on a label though, but I would like to be that big. Yeah, like I want to be able to call my own shots. Basically, like if if uh, it came down to it, like you have someone saying like we have uh, this offer for this amount of time, go play like uh, you know like a a room that fills, I don't know how many people, like 2,000 or 5,000 or 15,000. And yeah, I don't see why not, man. Like, uh, I'm very ambitious when it comes to music, when it comes to everything in my life. So I don't see there's, there's no point to, to stop for me, at least like, that's my personal opinion. And like, you know, someone else might want to have small, like, like success on a different, uh, like with a different viewpoint. Right. And so that there's any, anything right or wrong i think like personally like to each their own but i mean if the opportunity presented itself then yeah man i'm all for it like uh i have i have a job outside of the band too right we all do but like in, in that that like career too like why the hell not like get get the biggest thing you can possibly and like just chew on it and, <laughs> until you're full so it's, know, that's it, my that's my point of view as long as you're calling the shots yeah, as long as you're calling the shots, because the last thing you want is some uh, someone who's not been on the front line, or someone who doesn't understand, or someone who has to manage situations uh, that they've never been in. Tell you, you know what? This isn't exactly what we want, and the hammer gets dropped, or we're going in a different direction, or God knows what else. You know, like or they, you just don't own your freaking music, also, right? Like you, you lend out, you license out your music for X amount of years, and terrifying. then terrifying, terrifying. Yeah. Because you don't know what they're going to so, do with it. Or you get, know, some, you get some stick boy fucking producer guy, like, uh, like you know, you're, you're making a Punisher movie. Uh, you know, we, we, we did some studies, and um, people like puppies. So we're going to, we think the Punisher needs a puppy. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, how about no? Yeah, um, that, yeah that's... it doesn't drive. <laughs> <laughs> no, not, not, not yeah, at all. Yeah, man. So, like, that's, that's what it is, right? Like, we want to have our... Uh our uh, destiny in our hands, I guess. Like, I don't know, man. Kanye West said that he wants to buy a universal music group for, like, I don't know how like, how much money so that he can buy back his masters because they won't sell him his masters for something that's, like, not, like, extraordinarily high. So he wants to, like, buy the fucking label 
I think myself, okay, bro, like, take it easy, first of all. And second of all, like, that's ambitious. But, like, who knows? Maybe he can do it. But then, like, wants to be, like, independent, right? So, like, you have a guy like Kanye who is, like, so renowned, like, around the world, and everyone knows this guy. And whether or not he's, like, uh, he's vibing with everyone here, like, on the same wavelength or not, like, right. the guy's done a lot of stuff, like, had a lot of success, but, like, He's been saying, like, and Prince before him, too, said, like, the labels own the masters. They own you, basically. So once they, they own or have a license and you have, like, no ability to call your shot, then that's it, man. Like, you can't, like, reproduce that song, whether or not it's yours or like, if you wrote it or created it or sweated to produce it. So it's a weird, uh, it's a weird place we're going into, man, with, with music, I think. I hope it's going in the right direction because I remember when Napster first came out and like you know you couldn't stop anyone from downloading your shit and now it's it's gone to where they've got control over it again. You get Apple Music and uh, it you you really can't buy it buy it anymore. It's hard to get the physical copy. It's and it might not be available in your country or even then like you you miss a payment on Apple and it deletes all your music off your off your phone just just like that. They, they they've got the control. And how it's it's you know getting in the bed with devil the devil you know yeah it's a uh, it's a double edged sword but like at some point like you have to put your music out there somehow so like with with us like we're doing everything digitally so we have uh, a distributor that distributes everything um, like to all the platforms and we have our own uh, bandcamp like every other uh, musician should because like it's direct like directly to your um, your listeners so like that's actually where you could actually sell something at least to uh people directly rather than just expecting like a, a revenue stream from streaming so i mean at the end of the day like you, you can price your album for whatever you want on bandcamp but like spotify gives you whatever it is per stream right like right. a fraction of a penny and like you have no control over that you just have a distributor that pushes everything out to those outlets but it's you have to like kind of gauge to see like okay how are you going to market yourself how are you going to be in front of people like most of most consumers shop at like like you know supermarket a and you want to sell your uh sell your like, whatever it is in a supermarket you're going to go over that supermarket like right if 90 percent of people are blank they're not going to go to supermarket b so it's tough, man, because like most people don't go to Bandcamp, to, like non like really music aficionados to go to discover music on Bandcamp. Like they just press like random and like whatever like playlist suggestion pops up, like pops up. So I don't know. It's it is a double edged sword, but it's it's better now than it was like ten years ago, and than it was maybe even like twenty years ago, where like artists have more control on uh, on their own uh, craft and their destiny. So I, I appreciate you sharing that with me. And I also appreciate you uh, being just flat out about, yeah, you're, you're ambitious. You're, you've got that competitive spirit. Where, where, where do you see your band going? I mean, where do you want it to be? Like, do you want to be on soundtracks? Do you want to, are you looking to maybe even score movies? Um, do you, what's, where's the ceiling on this for you, brother? Mm, that's like, you know what? That's a very good question that I haven't really been, uh, been asked since we've been back um the previous version of me would say like we want to go tour uh like just tour forever 
mm-hmm. but I think uh, like the current version of me would want to be able to to make Sinistry into like some sort of a different uh, experience um, as opposed to just like just a band. So like I don't know. I think what we're aiming for is some sort of like like a mainstream like acceptance without changing who we are. So. I think it's it's like a hodgepodge of, of entertainment outlets that like whether it's a song in a movie, whether it's um, you know featured on like randomly on like the radio station like during the day, not like at all hours of the night where only the metalheads listen to music apparently, right? Or you know like something to do with a platform that's easily digestible by people and is easily accessible by like the, the mass population. So. I, I don't know, man. I, I think that's where we want to go. And it's a bit of a vague answer, and it's it's the best answer I got, unfortunately. But no, I'm you know, just, the sky's the limit. And, <laughs> I'm just glad know, you're thinking. Yeah, the spot, but yeah that's, that's, what we're, that's what we're thinking. So, like, whether it's, um, like, even, like, when we look into doing merch, right, like, as far as, like, uh, shirts and, and other clothing stuff go, like, we don't want to just, like, limit ourselves to what we had done in the past, which was, like, like t-shirt with like three colors or whatever the hell you know like we want to like look at this in a different way because man like the pandemic has like taught us uh that we need to like adapt quickly because like if you don't then like you're just going to be left on the side of the road you know like whether you're a musician whether you're in any other industry you know like wrestlers had to like sit back and like they can do anything man you can't touch like <laughs> indie wrestlers that uh, all, all ate, uh, ate the big one, right? So, like, they couldn't uh, go do, uh, go do live events or anything. So, mm-hmm. like, they had to, like, find, like, an alternative to make money. And, like, if their alternative to wrestling was, like, let's say teaching uh, kickboxing or whatever the hell, then you're not having that kickboxing class because gyms are closed. And, like, you know, I don't know. We just want to be able to, to move, um, whether it's laterally or upwardly, uh, at our convenience and like with with our own decision making, we don't want to be pressed for time. And I think that's how how I think like the next like couple of steps for for Sinistry would be. One of your songs like needs one of your songs needs to be a wrestler's uh, intro music, hands down. It you're it's oh man, I'm I'm all for it. Perfectly aggressive, man. Like uh, the first thing that popped in my head was um, one of my favorite tag team wrestlers right now is the uh, the North. And when they get done mm-hmm. with when they get done with impact, uh, man, I'd love to, a sinistry song being the song that like lets everyone know that shit's about to happen. Oh man, yeah, they're they're fucking serious business, man. Like, uh, was it twenty nine? Was it twenty nine? Yeah, I saw they they come here or no? Yeah, they come here for uh, for the IWS here in Montreal. Um. For an event here, like December, it was uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was Josh Alexander that had come for Seasons Beatings 2019. Badass dude, the guys, yeah, guys a machine. So, I mean, we're kind of we're kind of mechanical ourselves, so it makes sense. <laughs> no, that that that's awesome, man. And uh, just just winding down here, a couple a couple last questions here. Uh, how do you guys party, man? Like, if I was a uh, if I was like if, because um, a lot of people don't realize, and this is one of the best parts about the culture is like when 
uh, a band comes through, a lot of times another band will take care of them, you know, feed them, you know, here's a couch, and uh, if I if I'm uh, if I'm taking care of uh, Sinistry, what, what am I uh, what am I feeding you? What am I uh, what are your poisons? Uh, beer pong, whiskey, nachos. I think that that's the top three. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're we're simple guys, man. We like our beer pong. We like our whiskey. How long? We like uh, we like nachos. <laughs> Do you guys grow up together, or do you guys just meet each other in like in your twenties? We yeah, well, we met in uh, me, the bassist and the drummer met in our early twenties. Uh, so like me and and the drummer and bassist were in a band together prior to industry. And the bassist and drummer actually have, like known each other since uh, since childhood. It's like they they've been really close. We've all been really close with each other. And when we met, we met our guitarist in uh, 2005. So yeah, we were in our mid 20s. But like we're we're all best friends, man. We're all brothers. I'm actually like I my wife is my guitarist sister is my guitarist sister. So is my guitarist's uh, wife's sister. So like we're really close. Like, oh. He's my brother-in-law, basically. You know. <laughs> oh man, that and, uh, that must have been a hard yeah. conversation. <laughs> like, listen, man. No, no, no. Super, easy. <laughs> super simple. Very. It's one of the best uh, best deals I got without even looking for it. So, I, so you, no complaint. You all hang out together. You all drink together. Uh, you all know take care of each other's kids type thing. Yeah, basically, we're all we're all a big family, man. It's. Uh, I think that's important. You know, like some some bands, like it's more like a transactional, like business uh, application. Like we run Synergy, or we want to run Synergy, like it's a business. But our relationship with each other, it's it's uh, it's a family thing. So I don't want to get too mushy there. No, that's 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 beautiful, man. That's maybe not a typical response from metalhead. You know, like yeah, we're running our band like a business, and we're all family. So like freaking whatever, man. Break the mold, I guess. No, that's perfect. Break break that mold, man. That's it's all about family. It's all about coming together. It's all about sharing a drink. It's all about saying you're sorry uh, when you gotta say you're sorry, and that's uh, one of the the beauties of of this culture. And uh, I'm honored to be talking with one of the best fucking upcoming bands, man. Like it's great. I'm like, I don't want to say upcoming like in, in like in an insulting way, but like you guys are on your way. Thanks, Josh. I appreciate that, man. It's just freaking, uh, it's been a ride, man. Like, even just the decision to get back together was, like, uh, something that, I don't know, it was kind of, like, a bit magical, you know, to say, like, okay, let's actually, like, do this again. It was a little out there, but it was it was the right decision, I think. It was the right right place, right time. So, yeah, man, I really appreciate all, all the kind words, man. Like, we, we busted our asses for so long back in the day, and, like, date like like even like these days like we're not touring at all because of the pandemic but i mean like in in every other aspect we've been uh, we've been grinding so that's it man we're just writing and trying to uh, like we have stuff like in the pipeline for 2021 and we're writing and hopefully like we have uh we have some material for the next little while so we've got uh, we've got stuff to, to release pretty soon like over the next few years, let's say. Well, way to stay hungry, man. It's been an honor to have you on the show. Uh, uh, who else do you want to put over, man? Like uh, any other bands that uh, you want to make sure everyone knows about? Uh, any, any brothers, any sisters out there you want to give a shout out to? Uh, yeah, I want to give a shout out to uh, my boys in the Agonist. 
they're actually like some of the best fuckers that uh, we've shared the stage with and have had drinks with. Um, on, I don't want to be like too taboo or whatever the fuck, but like the the guys in Arch Enemy too. I want to give like a shout out to just because Lisa was um, was on our uh, debut album in that ballad that I mentioned. So that was pretty fucking cool. But like, whatever happened, happened. And uh, Johan Leva actually it was his birthday. The, the first um, singer of Arch Enemy it was his birthday a couple of days ago. So just want to wish him a happy belated birthday, Johan, if you're listening. And uh, that's it, man. I mean, there's there's too many to name, bro. If I start going through like <laughs> everyone, like I don't know. I gave a shout out to, to JF and Chris and and Matt and uh, Kevin and, and Jeff before. So. Like those guys always get uh, get put over from us, but yeah, dude. Like everyone that we've played with that uh, that has supported us and stuff. I'm kind of rambling right now, but it is, man. We're all we're all we're all family, man. We're all family. We're all friends, and uh, that's what it is. Man, I want to thank uh, uh, Andy Belanger and Speedball because if it wasn't for those two guys, I never would have met you guys. Yeah, man. They're uh, they're solid guys, man. Andy is one of the nicest dudes I've ever met, and like you said, uh, Speedball is one of the dreamiest, so <laughs> great guys, man. Fucking great guys. <laughs> I really appreciate the way it all came together. Yeah, well, man, uh, thanks again for being on the show. Uh, minefielders, this is dangerous. This transmission is over. Thank you, sir. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Don't hang up. <laughs> all right, thanks, Josh. I appreciate it, man. Guys, it's Joshua Michael again, obviously, because it's my podcast, but like the conversation was so awesome, we totally forgot to plug everything. Uh, I've, I've got, we've got Sinistry back on the line, brother. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Love Mondays, so can't complain. <laughs> right on, man. So what, what are we, uh, uh, what are we plugging, man? So yeah, the uh, the EP actually, Civilization's Coma, is coming out on the 27th of November. So this uh, this week, just a couple of days. Uh, by the time you guys hear this, it'll probably be right around the time when it comes out. So yeah, on November 27th on all streaming platforms. So whether it's uh, Spotify, Apple Music, uh, YouTube Music, whatever you guys listen to music on, it'll be there. So um, you could pre-save that uh, already like on Spotify. You go to um, our Instagram, for example, which is at Sinistry underscore MTL. There's a link in there on the, on the bio that you could pre-save on your streaming platform of choice. And we also have uh, our Twitter, which is um, at twitter.com slash sinistrymtl, all one word. Our YouTube channel is youtube.com slash thesinistry. And our Bandcamp is sinistry.bandcamp.com. And that's pretty much uh, pretty much it, man. We also um, actually we have our Facebook also, which how can you forget uh, the Overlord Facebook, uh, which is facebook.com slash sinistrymtl. Uh, that's pretty much it, brother. That's uh, all the good stuff. Yeah, you I, get I, uh, contact with us through there. So, and uh, I reposted everything you just posted as well. So if you just completely have been baked. Complete out of your mind while you're just listening to it. Just you can check out my Instagram; it's there as well. All the links are there to make sure you're in the you're in the know. Is there is there any incentives coming along with the purchase? Like, um, or is it just straight digital for now? And then we're waiting for things to lighten up with COVID before we start doing uh, hard copies. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna wait. Uh, I think what we're gonna do is because we have a couple of EPs coming out. So we have this EP on the 27th, and then we have. 
uh, two other ones planned for 2021, but I'm not, we're not exactly sure exactly when those are going to come out, but I think we're going to do um, some sort of uh, physical copy after the EPs are, are all out with maybe like some bonus, uh, bonus tracks on as incentives. So we'll see. Things are all up in the air still, man, with uh, COVID. You don't know what the hell's happening from one day to the next. So Correct. Now, yeah, yeah, just taking our time, man. Just taking our time, and like, listen, we're we're all at home. I'm pretty sure everyone who's listening to this is uh, more or less at home too. So we're not going anywhere. <laughs> well, yeah, and so. for for our listeners, if you're if you're not um, familiar with what EP means, it basically is it's a short record. It's maybe like five six tracks, uh, usually under one small idea. Of Nine Inch Nails did a really good uh, series of EPs uh, a couple of years ago with like Bad Witch and. Uh, Add violence, and it all added up to one big storyline. Because uh, you know, Nails is, is uh, notorious for, for doing that. Plus, the fact that your your lyrics are very introspective. I remember we were having that conversation on Instagram. What what's better, flat out, you know, know everything about the lyrics, or figure it out on your own? But um, <laughs> basically, the yeah. are you are you eventually going to meld everything together into one LP long player? Yeah, I think that. Probably will be the uh, probably be the next step logically because just everything is is so up in the air and with the fact that like digital releases are so uh, so easy to consume and so many artists are releasing uh, in 2020 and like into 2021 that I think eventually we're just going to compile everything like as one physical copy with uh, some bonus material on there too and and take it from there. Uh, you know, it's we we don't want to like shoot all our shoot all our bullets at the beginning of the war, right? So agreed. That's kind of where we're at. Yeah. Where were you uh, mentally when you were making this record? Uh, well, we were a bit uh, a bit all over the place. Um, we had like a lot of stuff going on. We wrote, I think we wrote and rewrote the songs and ideas and, and the lyrics uh, a couple hundred times before, like we. Um, that we decided what we were going to do with them and just everything, uh, everything like kind of just melded together. Like it seemed so natural writing, but then like we had other ideas that like kind of were, were like taking over the original ideas and then everything just kind of melded together. So we had a lot of stuff going on <laughs> basically, but we were managed to find a way to focus and, and get everything concise and delivered into a one streamlined message. So now not to give too much away because I, I I'm not a fan of uh, musicians like telling people what their songs mean because there's some people out there that got one thing out of it. And then all of a sudden what they believed, you know, got them out of a hole or, you know, really gets them to where they're, where they want to get with music. All of a sudden that idea is invalidated um, because, you know, Oh no, that's about this, you know, and you know, that's dumb. Why would you think that? Unless they're, you know, it, they think it's, you know, it's one of those, you know, John Wayne, uh, what's his name, Berkowitz things where he's hearing voices out of it, which is, those are not in the record. But I'm just saying, you know, you get my point. Um, but could you yeah, tell yeah. us, could you tell us, though, like a, a, a solid theme as like, like a foothold to, to really skew the record, to really get into it and learn the nuances, that sort of thing? Yeah, so basically... Um our first, our first album, Blind Eyes Bleed, I wrote the lyrics as far as like a theme of um, the individual in uh, looking out at society 
and how like they play a role in their own life and what impact they have to uh, society as a whole. And with uh, the songs on on Civilization's Coma and the other two EPs that are going to be coming out, uh, those lyrics are more themed of society's influence on the individual and then how the individual interprets uh, basically the basically interprets the way that society uh, treats them and then regurgitates back onto society. So that's a really it's, good. Um, a lot of yeah, a lot of introspection and. Like it is a bit abstract. I know, like I posted about uh, abstract or straightforward lyrics, but the the lyrics are all going to be available on uh, online, on streaming, and on Bandcamp and anywhere there are. I'm a big uh, I'm a big believer of having the lyrics available because number one, people that might not be able to understand uh, death vocals or like harsh vocals should be able to understand what the hell is being said. Right and. You know, and like it helps, it helps paint a more like total picture, right? Like if you're not a guitarist and you don't understand like the intricacies between like what this harmony means in relation to what the other guitar is playing, then it just sounds cool, right? Whereas like everyone who's able to read and understand could say, okay, well, I think this song is about XYZ subject and be able to relate to it a bit better. You know, like I leave the lyrics up for, up for interpretation. But this is the general theme of uh, of these lyrics as as far as like these songs go. So that's a really I don't want to get too abstract. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, well, mm-hmm. getting too abstract can definitely you know lead you down places where you, you know you go on tangents and all of a sudden you're you didn't really get anywhere. You know? Yeah, exactly. With- and um, and that's it, man. Like that's I'd like to have some sort of like relatability too, right? Like I can go off and. And write like some pretty strange concepts, but I'd rather not go down that rabbit hole, at least for uh, for synastry. That that's a really mature concept. That uh, I was I can't remember what podcast I was listening to the other day, but they were talking about that. That the idea of consciously reflecting on the because right now most people, depending on what your age is, before you you realize that you are an amalgamation of all your favorite shit, you know, and. Yeah, but also at the same time, though you are you're you yourself as the self are also subject to whatever political, um, local, uh, whatever is being mm-hmm. pushed on you and where you're thriving, and it also affects how you view the world. Without without stepping back with exactly that concept you're talking about of, of, of introspection. You you can really miss out on on certain ideas of the, of your psyche. You, know, you could be missing out on something wonderful just in general, uh, or you yep. can also it can also help you focus on how to break free from those, whether they're shackles or just an, an area or an idea that yeah. you don't want to you don't want to go you don't want to be around. Like it's I mean if you you're a hardcore pothead and you you're in Texas, fucking move to Colorado. <laughs> but but uh, obviously I'm talking more in depth. Type thing. That was just such a base, base little joke there, man. Um, that's a really interesting concept. I really appreciate that. That adds so much more layers to the, to the fold. And I, I really hope that people can take that idea and realize that you know, use it. And second off, uh, people that aren't used to metal that might just find your music will realize how it. This is deep shit, man. Like, there's a reason why Tool has a fucking uh, a religious cult that follows them, and. Uh, yeah, and you know they're metal too, man. Just a different type. 
Yeah, exactly. And and that's it, man. I mean, I there's a lot of stuff that goes into the lyrics. Like, there's three layers of of um, of the lyrics. I think the, the the deepest layer is the the truly like personal uh, layer that I don't really share with anyone, not even like the rest of the band. Like, right. Uh, and it's there, and like they know that it's there. Um, then there's like the the layer on the outside, which is the how the lyrics sound as like a vocal performance. And then there's the the actual like meat of the lyrics, which is what they're actually saying, and something that's relatable yet interpretable in uh, in a way that hopefully could come across whether you know someone's in the teenage years, whether someone's in like their thirties or forties, whether it's even like older people like in like retirement phase right like right. i i wrote like i showed the lyrics to, like my parents who were in their uh, 70s and 80s and like i said to them like what do you think of this and like i just presented as a as a poem and like they read it and like wow this is great who wrote this and like god oh, this is what i'm singing this is what you're singing what the hell like you know so i think i think being relatable and being able to be uh being able to, to distinguish like your own thoughts in uh, in the lyrics are very very important, at least to me. So unless like I, I go do like some sort of sideband which is all about like gore or who knows what. Right. That's not really my thing, but you know that's a good uh, great example. I don't, Maynard had a perfect circle. Yeah. You know, that's a different aspect mm-hmm. of him that wasn't gonna get out in tool. No, it's yeah. Perfect sense, man. And uh, it's funny when you when you're talking about like lyrics in general uh in i think like follow me on this one i think that's one of the reasons why uh why new metal just completely crashed because i my experience was like wait a minute hold on a second i'm listening to a 50 year old guy still crying about his fucking mama um yeah <laughs> mm, need something more <laughs> yeah it gets uh it's it's hard to like to, to stay edgy first of all and second of all it's hard to stay relatable and then third of all, it's hard for it to come off as sincere, right? Oh, so agreed. If you're if you're missing those three aspects, it's uh, it gets tough, man. It gets tough to like stay like I mean, to stay like on on top of things. Like there's only so many times you could swear in uh, in a song before it loses its uh, edginess. Agreed. Like we don't have any swearing, and it's a conscious decision that uh, that I made to never have uh, to have any curse words in our songs. Like on stage, talking to the crowd, like. I'm a sailor, but in the songs themselves, like as as an art form, like I chose not to have any swearing in any of my songs in in any band that I've ever been in, just because it doesn't. Like I feel like for me, at least, it takes away from my ability to to get my message across. It's a it's a hard stop, and sometimes when you hear the you know hard fuck, and you're like, ah oh, shit, yeah. like you know, like it, it it can really ruin the moment, and and also it challenges you as an artist to to make something without that crutch, you know? Yeah, yeah, and that, that's I think that's what happened a lot in the new metal. Like if you look at bands that continued past like the new metal phase, they they kind of change either changed from like uh, constant swearing. Or they just never really used, like a lot of it wasn't the main focus. Like Static X had um, had a couple of uh, spots on the first album where like he dropped the F-bomb. But then on the second album onwards, I don't, like I can't think of a song where like it would need to be censored if it was like played on MTV or whatever, you know? So right. like that's why those guys like continued even after like new metal kind of dropped off. 
and I don't know, man. Like I just I don't listen to like a lot of music that has uh, excessive amounts of swearing in it either. So that kind of maybe like didn't really like make me wanna make me wanna put too much like cursing in. So well, it adds a I don't know. It adds an additional longevity to you, uh, just in general. First off, you're challenging yourself to be a better artist in your in your in your lyrics. You're actually writing poems at first that become lyrics. You're also uh, this might not be a conscious choice, but when you're leaving curse words out of the things, you're a lot more marketable and can be in a lot more formats. Yeah. Uh, also, the fact that if the constant evolution means you can be uh, still still worthwhile to somebody in their 40s as opposed to when they were in their 20s, like you can you you grow out of shit, man. But like if if you're constantly evolving, yeah. you can your fan base will stick with you and like ex- accept the challenge. Yeah, exactly. So those are, I think, all subconscious uh, points that I, I don't know if like I really like thought about them when I was doing it, but really like the forcing myself uh, point that really I think was probably one of the most uh, the most like differentiating factors for me to, to keep uh, the lyrics like, clean, so to speak. So. Well, man, it has you been. Know, a, it's like, it's, yeah, it's been an honor, man. I hate to cut you off. Actually, like, I'm at I don't work. know. No worries, no worries. But it was great to talk to you once more, guys. Uh, let them know what what's the date, November twenty seventh. Yeah, November twenty seventh on all the streaming platforms. That's Sinistry, Civilizations, Coma. Cool. Well, brother, it's been an absolute pleasure as usual. Hit me up if you ever need anything whatsoever. Anything changes? Uh, anything you want to want to promote? Uh, I got your back, man. I love the music and I love the concept. Uh, you're a great guy in general as well. So yeah, we're we're all in, man. Awesome, man. I appreciate that, brother. All right, well, hit me up if you need anything else, brother. Minefielders got a quick extra dose of sinistry. Love it. Y'all have a great day. This transmission is over. And uh, my work schedule, as it seems to be yours, is rather like complicated. Not complicated per se, but like versatile and changing. So it's always pain in the ass. Dude, no explanation needed, man. You're Frankie the fucking mobster. I'm not going to question your ass. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be just well. I being that Frankie the mobster, but I'm just trying to be like a good, reliable person. And sometimes I fail that, and I, I I hate having to disappoint people with that. I'm sorry. No, no, no worries, man. Everyone's gonna know that you were 100 percent professional when, it, when if anyone asked me. Okay, good. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, uh, it's it's just great to have you on the show, man. Uh, before it's we start recording, it's fun. I, I I like talking, man. I like exchanging and uh, getting a platform to exchange about passion with other passionate people. It's just the most fun thing. Dude, all, all I think about is wrestling, man. Yeah. Are you are you a metal fan too? I see you got your my boy Sinistry. Oh, dude, man! Like I've been a metal fan since I was a baby. Same here, same here. But I'm probably a way older baby than you are. <laughs> um, <laughs> how old are you, bro? I'm 38. Oh well, not that bad. We're we're not. I'm 41. I thought you, I tell you were younger than that. That's awesome. So you know the old school metal. You're not to like the new age shit. Uh, I am into if it rocks, it rocks. I did have that. Uh, I did have that little uh, little blip in the mid '90s when I was really into new metal. 
because I was a DJ for a while, I still am, um, is, is that uh, the older I got, the more mature my ear got, and it was a little, hard. Right. Same here. It was yeah. a little hard for me to enjoy something like so easily. It takes a little bit for me. It's been a while since I heard a song where I was like, holy shit, what is this? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That grabs you right away. I, I'm, I'm the same in a way that I have to just, I, I'm not going to listen to a song that one time and go, oh, it's amazing. Toxicity was that good. was such a phenomenal, phenomenal. That made me discover the band. I didn't know the earliest uh, albums they made, and to this day, I am just like the biggest System of a Down fan. More especially Serge Tankier, or I, I must have missed. I must have gotten his last name wrong. I, I can't say. Serge my life. Serge Tankian, or uh, Tank- never, never been able to do it myself. <laughs> We'll call him Serge for the for me for the need uh, for the time being, and I was blessed enough and fortunate enough to to, uh, to have the chance to meet him. Awesome! I, oh, that was and one of the most humble, nice, kindest human beings I've ever met. Uh, we went to a show in uh, Montreal with a with a fellow wrestling friend of mine, and uh, for whatever reason, one guy he knew. Uh, happened to work backstage as a liaison for, for, for the band and whatnot. So we got us backstage passes, and there was a bunch of other bands. I mean, uh, Avenge was there too, Avenge Sevenfold, and some other band whose name I forget. I'm sorry, before them, I apologize to them, you didn't want to hear that. <laughs> and um, so we go there, and you know, it's a bunch of fucking rats and rupees and whatnot, just trying to get people's attention. What got my attention was the buffet, so I jumped on that. <laughs> and because um, I'm not. I don't. I hate bothering people and being intrusive. Like they just finished the show, and I'm sure they're going to cool down and wind down a bit. So I, I saw them from the court of the eye. I saw a bunch of the band, like the 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 band, the, the, the band members, and I'm like, wow, that's awesome. You know, just being in the same vicinity as these guys. So I sat down with my friends, and at one point, 
my 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 buddy's girlfriend's eyes widen the fuck up. She cannot believe it. It's like she's in shock. What the fuck is going on? Yeah. And I hear like. Hey man, how you doing? He just came over and sat down with us. Nice. And he didn't know us for shit. And we spoke for a good twenty minutes. No, that's so that like music wise, it was just a. It's, it's a really he's one of my. In no way, shape, or form, do I uh, aspire or think that I am a musician or anything that has. I don't have the slightest bit of talent when it comes to music. But I am a music passion, like passion. I'm very passionate about it. And having one of my musical idols. Musical inspirations right next to me. It's just fucking out of this world. They, uh, I, I actually met the guitarist from uh, System of a Down. I was uh, working for Ant Magazine. I had, I had a ton of interviews that day because I was because I've been I've been a journalist since like 2004, and uh, I interviewed who did I interview that day? Shit, um, it was a it was a shitty day in Albuquerque. My girlfriend wouldn't quit fucking complaining, and we're backstage <laughs> watching Ozzy and. Darren is standing right next to me, I believe that's his name, uh, the guitarist, and he's looking yeah. at me while this woman is just berating me. It is so, it's too damn hot. I'm like, bitch, we are backstage at OzFest. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and I, like, I'm not responsible for the sun. You agreed to come to Albuquerque, New Mexico with me, and like, he's looking at me like, oh, you poor bastard. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, like, yeah, I know. My, uh, my, 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 my girlfriend, my, my, my wife is, is just a big, big big musical fan we don't necessarily share the same <laughs> taste exactly but if she had the chance to come to she hasn't had the chance to come to a show and i'm blessed and fortunate enough to have a chance to perform yearly at, at the mtl as a wrestler so i don't know if, it's like the it's it's a big heavy festival that takes big that takes place yearly in montreal it's an outside show and there's close to hundred thousand people every day and name a band Name a metal band that you like that have been there. Shit, Every man. single Probably all band. And, I got, and what's awesome for me is I get to wrestle there, and then I get to watch all the shows for free. Oh, that's badass. That's the best of both worlds. And you entertain a metal crowd. And a metal crowd and a wrestling crowd have those similarities when they, when they, they want to thrive on pure, first-degree, raw emotion given by a performer that gives it his all and throws his art and, and, and his soul out there. So there's there's a big link between I think metal and you're gonna obviously you're gonna love what I'm doing then like I like uh, I was gonna tell you at the beginning but we we went straight talking um, what what I'm doing with the podcast now because we started just doing comic books and then I started interviewing uh, indie wrestlers um, is we're now pairing the the indie the indie wrestling uh, podcasts with interviews with metal bands as well as their music and your yes. your interview is gonna be. Uh, attached to the, uh, uh, the Sinistries interview. I interviewed Jimmy, and we've got two or three of their songs we're going to be playing throughout this, man. And it just like it just makes sense. Metal and wrestling go fucking hand in hand. Of course. Of course they do. Of course they do. So we haven't formally started yet? No, we're, we, we've started, man. This is too good. Okay, good. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I run at the mouth, as you can see, a lot. And uh, I sometimes you got to stop me if you think I'm talking too much or taking too much time to answer a question. <laughs> no, man. You're one of the badasses from Canada, man. Like uh, when, when, I, uh, when I'm looking at your achievements, when I'm looking at your IMDb, when I see who – you're, you're Kevin Owens. I don't sound arrogant, but there's a shitload of stuff missing on there. There is a sh- – well, damn. Well, we got to get that up yeah, there, yeah, man. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a – 
there's a lot of French stuff that obviously is not going to be on, on the IMDb page. But even movie stuff, I mean, uh, movie stuff, and well, they have my, you know, my motion capture stuff. Which yeah, you were on Assassin's Creed, weren't stuff. you? Yeah, I did. I did uh, two Assassin's Creeds. Fuck yeah! I I did the, the the Black Flag thing where I was a main character called the El Tiburon. I right. was a bodyguard too. I, I'm not a gamer. I don't game at all. Um, I did, uh, and for uh, there's another one that's a Tom Clancy game. They did an extension to the game, and um, that was not like it was released online. Gotcha. And every every time I, I Rainbow Six. Rainbow Six, yeah. Rainbow Six, the version, you know, where there was an infection and a bunch of, like, mutant, mutated people that come out with various infections, and I was, uh, like, a 10-foot-tall rhino, blind rhino. Dude, that's a... I did, did Voices for the, the, the last one, and uh, for whatever reason, some people seem to think I have a good voice, it seems. Dude, that's, that's a mark of, of, of awesomeness, man. The, the other person I can think of that pops into my head is that, uh, you know Minoru Suzuki, they, they based a shitload of shit off Tekken off of him. Yeah, Tekken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm not all that familiar. I don't want to sound like, that's not that I don't care, but I'm not all that familiar with all the, uh, with Japanese wrestling. Uh, the recent times. Oh, no worries. To be honest, I, I try to, like, when it comes to wrestling, I am deeply involved in what I do with the people I work with. And, but I've, I've decided to give more time to my family because I have failed to do that for so many years. And I know where I stand right now when it comes to this business. I am not craving or thinking of going, like, making a living out of it. Shit, man, that's what gets dangerous. It's been my old dreams ever since I was 16. And through various bad or not so good life choices, I wasn't able to do that. It's, you know, a lot of people in this business will try to put the blame on, on like various other reasons besides themselves. Some booker, someone bearing some I, I, I didn't, I didn't make the right choices. I didn't go to the right places. I didn't devote myself enough to, to various tasks that I should have been done or, uh, you know, people that I should have talked to. So I am where I'm at because that's where I should be after I've been done what I've done in this business. And I'm not bitter about it. Well, I, I don't, I don't think you should be, man. I mean, there's the being, feeling guilty or shameful. That's, that's, that's for the birds, man. You move on, you, you, you learn your lessons and, but I, I still see you as, as like a diamond in the rough, man. Like, like the way, like maybe like, remember like six years ago when you'd see Frankie Kazarian, like barely doing anything and like, what the fuck? Why isn't this guy like everywhere? That's what I see when I, I hear, see Frankie the mobster. Oh, well, maybe one day, but I'm like, I, like I, I've stopped focusing all my energy on that. And the thing is, you know what, that's the worst part I'm telling you. I mean, that's, it's all I could think about yet. I wasn't able to do out of fear of failure. Most likely. I think that's the biggest thing. I cannot have a hard time dealing with rejection and failure and being told that no, this is not going to work. And it's happened to me a few times through, through, the, through the course of my career in the business. And, um, you know, it takes like a solid, solid, solid head in his business. And my head's not all that solid, to be perfectly honest. Um, I'm a very emotional guy. And, and, and I get affected when I'm 
I don't deliver what was expected of me or what's needed of me. And, uh, so maybe it's a lack of courage, lack of, it's not a lack of motivation, but it's lack of courage and uh, not lack of dedication either. But I've, I guess I, and right now where I'm at, I have this beautiful son, he's five years old, he's passing by me, he's awesome. asking me to just stop talking because he wants to play. Uh, <laughs> and the, uh, I have this, Amazing, amazing, amazing wife. Best woman anyone could ever dream of needing. And uh, it puts, puts a lot of things into perspective. And I really want to focus on what's true. And her business is true, but it's a subpar reality. Right, but when... when and I want to focus on like real life. No, that's exactly what you should do, man. And the good thing about people like you... With such talent, uh, in ring, out of ring, on on the silver screen, uh, on video games, is that the right thing is going to come come at the right time, and you're you're gonna you're gonna go for it, and you're still gonna figure out a way to balance your your work and family life together, man. It it can be done. You deserve it, man. Oh, I really appreciate that. I uh, I know I'm shooting. I got one day. It's not a big thing, but I, I got one. I got one day from Moonfall, the, the next uh, Roland Emmerich movie that's shooting in Montreal right now. I, I, I got one day of shooting to do on this uh, in a couple of weeks. It's a, it's a speaking character. I play, of course, I play a, a prisoner, a bad guy. That's what I always do. <laughs> You're the funnest. Um, and it's gonna be fun. It's a big, 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 big action movie. I, uh, I don't know all the uh, like the details of the scene I'm with, but it's, it's a big riot scene. Something that nature, and uh, it should be fun. It's it's still one day, and that you didn't have yesterday. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Understand that. You're very positive. I like people like you. No, I appreciate that, man. I I I was I popped like fucking crazy when they when uh, Sinistry was just like, yeah, we can get you Frankie the Mobster. I'm like, what the fuck? Are you kidding? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I've just gotten in touch with these guys, and, and I've I mean, I've known some of the members for, for a little while, but I've really fallen like in love with what they do. More, even more so, their passion for what they do. They are passionate guys. I think we can relate on that, and even them that. What we do has to be done from the heart. Any musician that does music for the sake of just, well, you know, I'm just going to do my music and uh, it's because it's what I do. No, no, no. You got to live your music. Like you got to live your wrestling matches. Like you got to live your, your movie scenes. You got to, every artistic thing is going to be done with pure, unparalleled passion. And another thing is like, it's got to be done for the people that, you do it for me, me. Well, that, that's I'm sorry, I didn't say that quite right. No, no, no. You know, it makes perfect it's, sense. It's, it's you, what, you do like music, any any art form. I find it's got to be done for the people that pay money or invest their energy, their time, their emotions into watching, listening, finding out, discovering, getting attached to your to your uh, to to your work. You work for others. Art artists that only work for artistic fulfillment to me should not be doing music or sell their shit. Like Sinistry cares about their fans. Right. They care about who they put out the product to, as do I with everything that I do. I do not I, I think it's a it's a calling that when you're an artist I it's it's a question of opinion, mind you, but I think it's a calling that if you're an artist, whatever you do, 
it's done to entertain people and put smile on the faces. That's or smile and silly smile, depending on what you do. But agree. you gotta come and affect people's emotions. That's why AEW is so successful, because it's run by a bunch of indie guys by wrestlers for wrestlers for the fans that were the, the fans that love and wanted that alternative from WWE. Yeah. Like, man, I'd be horrified if you're in WWE right now because they would they'd bury you. They they would they'd only scoop you up so that you couldn't go to AEW or they'd get you for put you on screen for a day. Uh, you accidentally trip on uh, Vince's toes in in the uh, hallway, and next thing you know, you're uh, you're at home for a year. <laughs> that's well, I don't know. I mean, I. I've been trying to get there. I would love to work for EW. You have a bunch of people that I dearly like who work there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen a lot of people that have come up with me through, the, through like on, on that journey of this business that I've winded up there and I deserve it so fucking much. I mean, guys like Eddie Kingston, my brother. Oh, Eddie Kingston. The, the, the Pusher and the Blade, who I love with all my heart. Uh, Allie, he's such a sweetheart. Um, Uno and Stu Grayson. I'm very dear friends. I'm saying that I don't, I don't need for them to say back, or maybe they wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like I, I, I've Brody Lee. I think is a phenomenal, phenomenal fucking talent. There's just so many people that are on this show that finally got that their big like TV exposure that they should have had so many years ago. Yeah, and I uh, Sunny cares. Sunny cares. Sunny is one of my Good. Favorite people, good choice. World. Yeah, he just he just graduated college, man, and everyone was just. I know, I pop- saw that, and I couldn't be happier. He is such a phenomenal human being. It it's, it's and he's over talented, and I don't. I'm glad that he gets a platform to 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 to, to show the world a phenomenal he is. Not just as a wrestler, but as an entity, as a person. He's just out of this world. No, that you you pick such a, a good good example there with Sonny Kiss because you can't fake that personality like that. that no. he's a hundred percent genuine. Yeah, we we got along the second we first met. It was like this instant click where I'm like, okay, we are made to be friends. And if you if you look at us, we got we're we're, we're such polar opposites. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, we are we are just. If anybody in this world would look at him funny, I could kill him. <laughs> and it's that, that's the level of affection and respect and profound and pure love that I have in that person. That's beautiful, man. But the great part about it is he wouldn't need you. He could whoop ass on his own. <laughs> oh, he can go. <laughs> oh, he can go. But, he can go. But, in, in, but in, uh, if you put it in perspective like that, yeah, I'm not going to piss anyone off that's got Frankie the Mobster standing behind him. It would be yes, sir, yes, ma'am. <laughs> but I, I you know, I'm, I'm not. And for what, I'm not. A, I'm really not a conf- confrontational person. I hate fucking fights and violence and whatnot. And I think I've managed to successfully, like, put my reputation out there as being a, a, a nice guy. I'm not saying I'm not going to be the one to tell you. Yeah, I'm a fucking nice guy. I feel like somebody who needs to justify himself. I don't. Right. I think that people can rely on me to be nice, to be straightforward, to be. Humane and you know, giving and generous, but uh, and they're not going to look for an argument with me. I could for because I don't look for arguments with anybody. But if somebody fucks with my friends or my family, they they, they know better. 
Well, let, let's let's rewind for just a second here, um, man. I I'm getting more and more excited when when you tell me more about this because first off, uh, this sort of attitude is how you're gonna fucking like prosper, whether it's in movies or in wrestling. You had to go home. You had to get your shit together. You had to realize what's important. You're paying your fucking dues. Your your family knows that you're 100% there for them. I mean, anyone who listens to five seconds of this, hearing you put your friends over, which is not, which is a rarity in wrestling, by the way, for uh, listeners. That's all, I, that's all I do. I hate talking about myself. Right. I, anybody that puts himself over in a way, I'm sorry for interrupting, but I think that needs to be said. If you go on a podcast, whoever the fuck you are, whatever level of success you've had, and you talk about your achievements and say that you, you put out pride, you put out ego. That's insecurity talking. Absolutely. I need, like, I do not need myself to tell you that I am good. If I'm confident enough in my abilities, it will show in the way that I interact with people and the relationships that I forge and, and the work that I put out there. I don't, need, I don't need me to tell you. I don't need to tell you that. I, I'm good. If, if, if I am confident with what I am, it's a hundred percent. If people say come over and say that they appreciate what I do, that's the gratification and like the compliments that I need. I, I don't need them, but that's what makes me good. Right in the eyes of us, especially in a business like this one. If people tell you that I appreciate you. I think that's where you know you've made it. If you think you're good, that doesn't mean shit. Oh yeah, uh, but 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 what my point is is it's this sort of consistency that you put yourself in the right spot, and now you're being consistent, and you the talent was always there. So now I'm even more pumped to see like man, I, it's gonna be funny like in like four, maybe three, maybe two. Uh, years, people gonna be like, man, I can't believe Frankie, like, you know, was was out for so long that someone just didn't give him a chance. And like, motherfucker, like, duh, <laughs> like the, 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 the this sort of consistency is why the best things in life are just ahead of you, man. I fucking know it. I feel it. It like something big is gonna happen for Frankie or Mark. I hope so. No, I really no, dude. It's, they can call me Mark. Call me whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> <laughs> No, I just I wanted to make sure that you understood the separation there. Whether you're there over here or over there, it's it's going to happen because this sort of consistency the, the universe doesn't ignore. You there, it's it's knowing where you're putting your attention at with your family, yeah. and you've got everything in the back burner, man. Like by the time something good comes along, you're going to be consistent enough to know that I can do this until then, and then this and that and no, and you got might have a packed schedule, but you're fulfilling all the needs. And kicking some serious ass, and everyone's gonna smile that like you just put over that knew that you were that they were just waiting for something, the right damn thing, and it's coming, brother. I fucking know it. I, I really fucking appreciate your confidence and your. Uh, it doesn't really mean a lot. Well, hey, man, like you know, we're we're in this business together. I'm I, I'm I might just be a podcaster. Like my my dream is to because I make comics too. My dream, I don't want to be a writer and tell you what to say. I want you. If I was backstage at AEW and Frankie, you were like, man, worrying about a promo. I'm like, give me what you got. You know, I'd help you with the promo. Move this I over here. Promos, I can't, I can't do them. Yeah, just I can't. I can't do scripted. You got to give me a line, and I'll just. I have never thought of a promo before doing it. Ever. Oh yeah, man! It, it, you 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 gotta let the wrestlers do it. I just want to help them polish it up, man. That's it. Yeah. Like move that over here, move I, that here. I just get carried away. I can talk for like that's what I love about this. Business. I like portraying that character. I put a lot of effort and 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 work in 
the psychological aspect of the psychological development of the character. And that's what the level of success that I've had, I think that's what brought me to it. The people know that I am deeply, emotionally invested in what I do. Oh, it's, it's 100% I, I think that's one of my keys and my trademarks, per se, if you, if you call it that. How did you land on the mobster? Oh, my God. The mobster, like, I no longer am a mobster, but when I started out with 16, I was scrawny old shit. I was, I, I mean, I, and I did that first show as a manager, so a friend of mine taking his wrestling classes, and I had this long trench coat, and I came out with a little fedora, just because, you know, you don't know shit when you start out. Well, I didn't, and I just wanted to have a look, and that's the first thing that popped into my mind. Well, you know, you have this, like, criminal-looking guy, and, and some guy just said, you look like a mobster, and... But after nowadays, it's really just with the Beast King. It's a total like opposite and different complexion than Frank. What Frankie the Mobster was, he was so explosive and out of this world, intense, and a very like over the top way. As the Beast King is the total opposite, where he's more introverted, implosive. And uh, sociopathic and very reserved about his evil intentions until he just lets it out with pure violence. Those, those are the type of matches that I like to see, man. Like uh, I, I always cheer for the heel. I never like bad guys. When I, the last time I tuned out of uh, WWE was when uh, John Cena first came up. I'm like, who the? I hate fucking Boy Scouts, man. I want mean motherfuckers. Yeah, but for what it's worth, I, I love John Cena's body of work. Oh, I'm not they, shitting on him. I'm not saying that. For, for his emotional involvement, you cannot rattle this guy. Nope. I, I mean, I, any fan cannot, he cannot, you know, he has the answer to every situation you put him in front of. In front of. And that's what makes him like one of the most polarizing figures I think I've ever seen in wrestling. He knows how to react to every fucking thing. What do you do? You do you still keep up with the product? If I keep up with what? Sorry, bro. The, do you still keep up with the product? Like, do you still watch uh, Raw? I'll, I'll watch. Like, I don't get to watch all the shows that I wish I could, but I, I do keep up with it. I'll, I'll watch resumes and whatnot and read the results. And if there's a match that has looked interesting and what I I do, of course, I keep up with it. Yeah. What are you watching? Like uh, Impact? Uh, probably not. New, maybe New Japan. I don't watch a lot of Impact. I, 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 I'll, I'll, like, I'll, watch a little, I'll watch a little bit of NW and WWE. I wish I had more time to watch like Impact and go back a little bit to watching Japanese wrestling so I can put some of that, incorporate more of it in my, in my style. But I haven't had the time. I mostly like watch the WWE guys and A and W. Yeah. Well, you've been, you've been working a lot in your shoot job, making sure your family's taken care of and everything like that. But, uh, are you still like cutting promos in your head? Are you still thinking about how to evolve oh, your character? I'm a I'm total fucking schizo. <laughs> That's I'll be I'll be at work and I'll be talking to myself and other people. I'll be honest with you, people at work are terrified by me because I'm walking around cutting promos to myself and uh, like wondering what the fuck I'm doing. They know I'm a wrestler right now, but I don't think they understand the. Uh, the evasive aspect of creativity. <laughs> so, if you see this guy, I'm like 250 walking around with a bunch of other people that are like 
it's not about being physically bigger, but I mean, I'm, I'm walking around with confidence, being the beast king and talking to myself, talking about violence, misery and whatnot, slowly whispering. That can be slightly like mind fucking for other people. <laughs> Well, I guess as long as the job gets done and you don't snap anyone's yeah. neck in the hallway, we're cool, right? I, for what it's worth, I didn't get fired, but I, and it's not something I'm proud of, but it's kind of funny. I, uh, I, I smacked, I broke by, wow, by accident, quotation accident. marks, gotcha. uh, a brick wall. <laughs> Oops. Uh, because I, uh, I was backing up and I, like my, mind you, it was an old wall. I'm <laughs> not a fucking Hulk. And I, I, I backed into it, and there was like already cracked, and I fucking hurt my back. I was fucking mad, so I kicked the wall. Figuring, that's just, it's a wall. You're going to stand there, and now it, it just cracked and fell. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, 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 your foot, was, it wasn't your fault. It was the gravity was the enemy. That's it. That's it. And that wall, I, and that wall got my way. I'm just like, it provoked me. <laughs> Triggered you. <laughs> so, I mean, I, 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 like I told you, I don't, I don't like computation, but if you can prompt me, you're going to be on the worst end of it. I mean, that wall had come. No, absolutely. And then gravity took over, and, you know, Frankie just happened what? to be standing there. Shit, man. Wrong guy, wrong place, man. <laughs> and when I told my boss, he's like, what do you mean the wall fell? Well, I just backed up into it, and it, uh, it cracked. How, <laughs> how? Like, yeah, well, you know, I turned around and I got hurt. My must have been tough kicking it. You know, this guy, because I got hurt. It's a bad reaction. What, what do you mean? It cracked up none of the walls, like that. It, it's gone. And he was, he, he just couldn't believe it. He was a pissed. He's like, <laughs> what, what do you mean? <laughs> like, I got well, the wall fell. <laughs> so, anyway, it's just a funny little moment, but I'll try not to do it very often. Otherwise, I might get. Sometimes. <laughs> um, I'm not gonna fire you for that, man. I'll be a little Frankie. Just put it back up, and uh, sorry, gravity got well, in I wish way. I could, but I'm not that all that manual. I can. What I do with my hands is slap and chop and punch and throw people. I'm very good at that. But putting up brick walls, not so much. Yeah. Well, Mr. Frankie, I got. I uh, I've been doing this on my lunch break, brother. I just glad I got to talk to you, man. So I'm, I'm happy that we got to talk. And if you want to do that again anytime, bro, I'm up for it. Oh no, no, uh, you're. You're going to be on the show a lot, brother. <laughs> okay, good. Anytime you want, you want, you give me a call, bro. Yeah, man. And uh, guys, uh, don't hang up. I'm going to I'm going to cue this off. But don't hang up, guys. This is Minefield. This is Frankie the Mobster with Joshua Michael. This transmission is over, and this is dangerous. Hey. Actually, this transmission isn't actually over. We have one extra special recording. We got Civilization's Coma by Sinistry.
Lord.